We are diving in Acts 25, 26 today, two chapters, 59 verses, quite long. Itself has a lot of stories, so I hope for the sake of time, I won't need to fill up with many stories. It's a big one already. But just as a beginning, Pastor Paul encouraged me to t tell you this story. And for me, it wasn't funny, but he thinks it's funny. I don't expect you to laugh, okay? You have already laughed, but anyway, we can't help. But I was in a meeting this past week with another Brazilian who is planting a church with me, or with, we are together, Pastor Juliano. And you were dealing with serious matter of our church and how to organize, how to make it better. And suddenly, Pastor Duane knocked my door, and he opened it. I'm sorry to bother you, but you know, on today, Pastor Paul and me, myself, won't be at this service, and you need to do the decommissioning. So I'm a foreigner, ESL. If you hear first time this word, decommissioning, what do you think? I never thought about Didri. I know I heard deconstruction, <laughs> decommissioning. So both Brazilians, what did he say? I say, I have no clue. <laughs> My gosh, I'm preaching. I never heard nobody doing this thing. And I think we are disciplining somebody. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Decommission, yeah, somebody who's going to be taken from the mission or whatever, something like that. Says, Pastor Duane, can you unfold it? What does that mean? Marcia, you are commissioning dear to the mission. Oh, piece of cake, I can do that. <laughs> but you know, we never know. New words every day. Decommission, de going to the mission. Now I'm glad about that. And thinking on that, and in God's providence, D, I think I can dedicate this message to you and to you all. Because happens to come is her commissioning service, but also is Acts 25, 26, that I found this in here. Paul saying, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, King Agrippa, was, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me, Aramaic, so, so, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. gods. Then I ask, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now, get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am send you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins 
and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. First to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and all Judea, and then to the Gentiles. I preached that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance by their deeds. That's why some Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But God has helped me to this very day. So I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen. That the Messiah would suffer. And as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. Oh, let me put in this way, this double negative in this way. Paul was total obedient to the heaven's vision. Total obedient. Can we also say that we have been obedient to God's call? In which extent? Maybe probably not as much as Paul. Who could? Nevertheless, without any excuse, you and myself are called by God, as Paul was, to fulfill Jesus' great commission to make disciples of all nations. A little background. We are now seeing the progress of the gospel. We've seen this from chapter 1 until now, how the gospel has left Jerusalem and have reached already the Gentiles. And now we are between these chapters from 23 to 28. Paul, after being to Ephesus, now he is going to Rome and all these trials. And Pastor Derek preached beautifully, powerfully, boldly, and I cannot add anything for what he has already said and explained and actually save a lot of time because I don't need to go again in those trial things. But this is the fifth trial of Paul and a two-year waiting for justice to be done. We know and we heard Paul was first brought in the presence of the procurator or governor Felix and then to the Jews with the accusation of sedition, sectarism, and sacrilege. With no way to convince him, we saw Felix covardly put him to wait because he didn't want to get the hatred of the Jews. Festus now, the new governor, differently than him, is fast. Three days after his position, he heard about Paul, and he said, let me go down there and talk with the chief priest to know more about this case. It looks like he stays from eight to ten days with a bunch of people from the Sinedrin, and he was hearing what was going on. And then he decides to give a hearing right away to Paul. Festus same as Felix, they want to secure his position. They want to please the Jews. They want to maintain the hatred against Paul, place him in court where he was 
again wrongly accused. And so to please the Jews, Festus now submit Paul's affairs to Agrippa, Agrippa II, the son of Agrippa I, the great son of Herod, or Agrippa the Great. So Paul now uses this opportunity to testify about Jesus Christ. He experienced the fulfillment of the word of Jesus, who already said in the gospel, because of me, you will be led into the presence of governors and kings to bear witness to them and to the Gentiles. And this is what is happening with Paul. So last week, we saw that we must follow God in good conscience as much as Paul. And with that said, we saw that God's plans couldn't be stopped. They are beyond our control. Our hope is in the resurrection. And today you will see that the complete obedience to God's mission requires patience and determination. And if somehow you got lost in something, just remember this. The total or complete or whole obedience to God's mission requires two things. Well, it requires much more. I chose two according to the text. Patience and determination. This is the requires I pretty sure D has fulfilled and is willing to go. First, complete obedience to God's mission requires patience amidst of unfairness, delays, and painful circumstances. This is what is happening with Paul since chapter 23, especially in these five trials he's facing. We have a record of three. The text says, three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charge against Paul. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me, and if the man has done anything wrong, they can press charge against him there. When Paul came in, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him. They brought many serious charges against him, but they could not prove them. Then Paul made his defense, as we read before. I have done nothing wrong against the Jews' law, against the temple, or against Caesar. The three stage is steady. I have done nothing wrong against the Jewish law, because he was a Pharisee, against the temple, because he also was faithful and a believer and was there constantly, and against Caesar. He didn't do anything illegal. But he was in prison in Jerusalem and now in Caesarea for two years. Paul, the apostle, needs patience amidst of this unfairness. It wasn't fair. There was a delay, too much. This new governor proved that he could be, be heard quickly, three days. He could already heard, but the other waited two years and the circumstances. Paul is patient based on God's sovereignty. God has it. 
He always has it. God is in charge. God has control of all creatures, our lives, and everything. Paul has assurance of God's plan. Warren Wiersbe says about this context that a Roman court could not transfer a case to another court without the defendant's consent. So Paul needs to agree. Therefore, Paul refused to go to Jerusalem, appealing to Caesar. He knows it's going to take time. He knows he will stay there longer. He knows his own rights. And at least we're at least three things that led Paul to make his decision or choice. First, he appealed to Caesar to save his life. He doesn't want to be killed unnecessarily, foolishly, without a purpose. Second, this would lead him to Rome as Jesus has already told him. So he had this assurance. One day, the same way God and Jesus talked to him in the Damascus Road, he also talked later on, says, I want you in Rome. You're going to go to Rome. I was playing with the thoughts. Much of us wants to go home, not go to Rome, especially knowing that was waiting for you. Some people, they have told to you, why don't you stay home? You have to reach all nations here. But your destiny is Asia, and I'm pretty sure God will be with you. Paul has his goal to go to Rome, not go home. Paul has this mission, and that's why he chose. And third, in Rome, he would preach the gospel to the members of the court of Nero. So Paul, you're going to be paid by Caesar's house to preach and to witness and to make disciples in Caesar's house. And that was his hope. He also hoped, maybe wrongly, that the Christianity, our faith, could be recognized. It wasn't, at least in that time. It was three centuries later with Constantine. But that was his choice. Kiss master, kiss maker says that Paul weighed his options and feared that Festus would use the members of the Sanhedrin as his advice. Therefore, he will be partial in his judgment. If Festus declared him innocent and freed him, Paul would no longer count on the Roman military protection, mighty for his protection, and probably risk or have a risk of death on the streets of Jerusalem or the roads of Judea. The Jews plot to kill him. He heard that on the way back and forth from Jerusalem. So Paul waits the right time, patiently, to defend himself and once more to testify of his innocence and also witness boldly about his hope in Christ. Paul is patient all his life. He has done amazing work, probably the one who worked the most. In 2 Corinthians, we can see how patient he was and how patient he still needed to be to get to Rome. And we have some uh, glimpses of it in chapter 11. I'm going to read some. We have much more in the text. 
It will go from 16 to 33, but I will read some of it. I have worked much harder, being imprisoned more frequently, being flogged more severely, and being exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the fourth lashes minus one, 39. Five times I received from the Jews, sorry, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was felt with stones. Three times I was shrink-wrapped. I spent a night and a day in the open sea and so on, so on. All his life was a life of bad circumstances, waiting, delays, persecutions, trials, suffering. Dangers, dangerous country, dangerous sea, dangers from false believers. And he patiently, boldly, humbly, consistently, he speaks before two governors. I don't know how many of us would be bold enough to do that, especially nowadays about our faith. He speaks to the chief priests, at least the representation of the 70 men in the Sinedrin. He speaks to Agrippa II that wasn't a moral standard. He lives with an ancestral relationship with his half-sisters, Berenice, a man of power. And he also shares with many other Jews and Gentiles. And to all of them, he is saying the same thing that maybe one day we can say as well. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I was obedient to God's mission in all patience. Second, complete obedience to God's mission requires determination. So doing mission is not a maybe. Serving God is not Perhaps. Doing God's work it doesn't require you how you feel about it. It's here. It's you. It's now. It's a command. You may not be a preacher. I get that. I still not think I am, but I'm here. You need to share your faith. You need to live out your faith. You need to be a follower of Christ. You need to know that when you are hunger, hunger, hungry, you found the bread, and then you tell the others where the bread is. This is what is sharing the gospel. A beggar receiving the bread, satisfying his hunger, and giving to others spiritually. So have to have determination. Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court. And this Nero. Where I ought to be tried. And this is what he wants to go. Caesarea is a small city that represents Caesar. It's a city, capital in Judea of Rome. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. If, however, I'm guilty of doing anything, deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charge brought against me by the Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus have had conferred 
with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. And that's his goal. And there, where he is going to end up. Paul has Rome as his goal. Paul was, Paul's appeal to the emperor is a decisive, decisive step in taking the gospel one more step ahead towards the end of the earth. Remember what Luke is doing. He, he set the tone. He put the father. He put the formula. Acts 1.8 is what Jesus taught and Luke, Luke understood. Is the pattern of Acts. Is the pattern of the mission. You're going to be my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria until the ends of the earth. Acts 1.8. And that's what we see the progress of the gospel in the Acts, the book of the Acts of the Apostles. And Paul thinks ahead with courage and determination to reach his goal. In the same way as many of the characters, the, the people in the Bible are, uh, 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 how can I say, a uh, shade, uh, a type of Christ, so is Paul. Many are remembrance of who Jesus is, and Paul is one. The same way nobody could take the cross from Christ. Nobody could stop Jesus to get to Jerusalem. Nobody would dare. And when Peter dare, he reprehends Satan behind him because he says, no, this is my destiny. It's the cross and the death and the substitution death to save people. Same way, Paul is obstinated. Paul is determined. There where I want to go. So he has this determination. Paul's testimony, behavior, and integrity perplex the governor Felix and Festus and arose curiosity. And because Paul is so clear about being innocent, because Paul is so clear and bold about standing before and appealing for Caesar, some curiosity was spread. And King Agrippa wants to hear him as well. So another hearing. And now Agrippa II, a Jew, wants to hear Paul. And Paul is before him. And when Paul is talking, because it's a long story to make sure, Paul tells all the story that happened to him, who he was, and Pastor Derek preached very well already, how he started his journey, how he was an enemy of the cross or the Christianity, as a trying to be faithful to God. He was persecuting. He was giving his permission to put people in prison to allow their death because they were uh, blasphemers of God. But then in that way, Paul becomes the follower of the way. In that way, Paul was clearer by the light, by the vision, by the voice, who who are you, Lord, and what do you want me to do? So Paul was clear about the encounter with God. And based on that encounter, he understands what his calling is about. And interestingly, that in chapter 9, in chapter 22, in chapter 26, we see the same record of Lucas about Paul's conversion and all you can uh, 
uh, have right to, to read about it. And all this is almost the same story. Doesn't change much, but there are some differences. And in here especially, there is no mention of the name of the road. It says road, not Damascus Road. Here doesn't mention Ananias, doesn't make the straight road go there, doesn't make about his baptism. But the emphasis of Luke now is, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. So that's why Paul with determination is standing. He's standing and he says, now I'm standing before Caesar's court. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jew. I stand here and testify to small and to great alike. I'm saying nothing beyond the prophet that Moses said would happen, that the Messiah would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would bring the message of the light to his own people and to the Gentiles. I am not insane, King Agrippa. You think because I'm saying too much, I read too much, and my reading and my words are making me mad? No, I'm not crazy. I make sense. Ask King Agrippa. He knows about it. He knows the law. He knows our custom. And then he addressed to Agrippa and said, I am not sane. Most excellent Festus, Paul replied. I am saying what is true and reasonable. And King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophet? I know you do. Then Agrippa said to Paul, hey, do you think so instead of he addressed the answer, because he's a coward, he's not honored the position he have given by God, he says, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to become a Christian? And we have heard, you have read, we all know that, but I need to tell you because the purpose of it. He says, short or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today, become what I am except for the chains. In other words, I want you to become as free as I am from the wrath of God, from the consequences of the sin that is death and is hell. I want you, despite of position, that you still slave to sin, to be free as I am, accept my change. This is my privilege. I don't want you to be prisoner. I'm saying be free like I'm free in God. Short or long, I pray that not only you, but all your house, all who are my listeners, I want you to be free in Christ, saved by God. Paul never, ever, in these matters, apologized for what he became. He could give some excuse. He could have some appraisal from his past Pharisee background, doctor of the law, you know, taught by the Gamaliel's feet. He was the top scholar in his time. Paul did not feel embarrassed about his faith. Boldly he shared his faith. Paul knew God wanted him in Rome. He did not choose an easy path. He defended his faith at all costs. 
He knew the single opportunity he was having. He knew his rights. He knew the law. He knew also about the ambush of the Jews. What he did not know, not know was that he probably would never leave prison or trials or persecutions. He knew some, not all, his chains and oppositions. He did not know that Nero, instead of recognizing Christianity figuratively, metaphorically, was with his knife or sword in his hand waiting for Paul. He didn't know that. He didn't care. If I have to die for the right reason, I'm ready to die. Concluding. How can we be more obedient to God? Are we patient and are we determined? How can we learn with Paul to be patient? Amidst of unfairness, delays, painful circumstances. We all face something. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice. Remembering, he was in jail. And he wrote four letters, four epistles from the jail. And to Philippi, he said that, to the Philippian, Philippi church, or Philippians letter. Rejoice in the Lord, always I say to you, rejoice. In 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We are experiencing trouble. Of every side. We who? The apostles, the Christians, the followers. But we are not crushed. So we are experiencing trouble of every side. Side. So you have no way to go. But we are not crushed. You see? We are perplexed. But not driven to despair. We are persecuted but not abundant. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. I think I've shared with you, knocked down is the idea of you were got in air, like a, a, a bird is in the air and somebody has a gun and poof, is hit. So Paul says this word, ex balloon is a word from weapon. He was caught in the air, got in the ground, but somehow the bird is not dead. So that's what he says. That's how we are. Knocked down but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not despair. But even in our physical body, is wearing away, our own inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us eternal weight of glory far beyond our comparison. Applying. We all face unfairness here and there, don't we? We all do. We don't want to. Sometimes gossip, people make gossip about us. Sometimes assumptions that are not true. I remember when I went to Bible, well, another story, but quickly, just. I went to Bible school, and you know, I like it. Brazilians like they share this kind of social clothes, at least in the place education. And I went there with my pastor briefcase, but I was only a seminary student first day or first week of class. And right away, maybe I set the wrong tone. People were calling me already pastor in the first day of school. 
but the teachers didn't like it. So the teachers were humiliating me. Their purpose since my first week was trying to humiliate this arrogant or bragging or potential future pastor maybe to be a pastor right away. I wasn't telling them this, but they thought. They thought I was pastor. They thought I was rich. They thought I was well cared enough. They thought I was living the dream. And I was the poorest a seminary student in that thing. Me and my wife for many years have our shoes with hole, with some newspapers to cover the hole. Not because it would protect our feet, because nobody would tell us all the time. And I was sometimes going 20 kilometers or 10 kilometers or 5 kilometers on foot and sometimes alone to get to the place because I was paid to study, but I had to means to get there. That was not easy. And the assumptions that, that I was already a pastor and a, a man with wealthy. And I had to struggle with assumptions and gossips and judgments that was not fair. And even I didn't want to become a pastor. I was only having the missionary training for four years. I was mistaken. But that's what they sent me to. Go get this study and become a missionary. And they made me a pastor later on. Some have been despised, some of us. Some have been forgotten by family. I could tell my story. You have your own story. Friends, some have faced enemies too often. Let us not hurry on our own understanding. Let us take Jesus' model and maybe pose to be patient, to quiet ourselves, to be quiet, or maybe to shut up sometimes before our accusers and waiting for God's justice, waiting for God's time to help and to deliver. Second, we can learn with Paul how to have determination and do not lose the sight of God's way. Paul's determination was totally related to his conversion. We know that. He knew that there was a spiritual vision that God was going to apply. Open your eyes. Conversion from darkness to light. This is what we all need. And this is, he knew, happened to him. And that's what the mission about. There's a redemption. People are under Satan. People are enslaved from Satan. They don't know. And they, that's the reason they suffer the most. But they don't know. But Paul knew. And his determination to serve God included this curriculum, these steps, this actions that the Holy Spirit is doing. Forgiveness of sin, remission, inheritance among those who are sanctified and security by faith in Jesus Christ. Take to us quickly. Do we believe that God is sovereign in his providence? Do we believe he has control of everything in our lives? Do we believe that God and his sovereignty causes all things to happen and carrying out all his plans? It's hard to believe, but this is what's happening with Paul. This is what's happening with James, the first martyr, or Steve as well. This is what's happening, happened with Jesus. Even in the bad moments, even under persecutions, even suffering, that was a way to promote the gospel, the kingdom of God, and holiness on those peoples. 
in our life is the same. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God also has something special for you? He does. He has different gifts. He has different abilities. He has different means for you and for me. But every single one of us are important in God's kingdom as the body of Christ. Every one of us carry his spirit. And because we have the spirit, we have the ability to live out our faith. And because of that, and simple like that, we are already under attack. Under the enemy sight. And the more we do, the more we'll be exposed, the more he's going to enhance us. But do you believe that God has something for you? And you and I are part of his plan? I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. I hope your knowledge about Christ is enough to bring you or give you salvation. I hope the same teachings that Paul received and gave, and Jesus has instructed us to teach and to disciple in everything he has taught, you have received. And by receiving it, you know that there will be persecutions, but blessed are those. We know there will be obstacles ahead of us. We know there will be opposition like in Nehemiah's days. Every single day when they were doing this great project of raising the walls before anything else to happen, enemies, lies, persecutions, threaten, outside, inside, but Nehemiah says, I'm not getting down. I'm not getting down to those people. Let's keep moving. Let's keep working. Let's keep building the walls. We are building walls for God's kingdom still. And we are here doing his work until he comes back. And I hope you and I can say the same. I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. One day, God called me to be a Christian. In my way of saying, I accept that. One day, God called me to be missionary, and I became missionary, I became a pastor. One day, I was living the dream. Big church, people I love. People I dreamed for five years every day. And even today, 14 years later, I still love them. I miss them. For me, they still the same as I left. And I'm going to see them at the end of the year. For me, I was doing the right thing. And I did for 20 years the right thing. And then God said to me, now you go. And I came. And I hope I am saying to the Lord, I can say to you, I was not disobedient to the call God get, had to me to come here and to make disciples. And I hope in one another way, you'll be obedient to God in your family, in your neighborhood, in your job, in your street, in our city, and maybe like this to the end of the world. May God bless you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these two chapters that I try to resume because there are a lot of narratives and we can read it. But there is a challenge for us to be obedient 
or complete or total obedience to your call, to your voice, to those things don't only we know and the Bible tells us about what you want from us. Be with us. And when we face persecutions, affairs, uh, fights, uh, lies, defamation, gossip, or whatever unfair things, you'll be with us, helping us to be patient and help us to have determinations to move forward and not stop from doing the right things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.